National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. Eight Nicaraguan priests who were expelled from their country by the Ortega regime celebrated Mass for the first time in six months last weekend at a small chapel in Washington, D.C. The Register's senior editor, Joan Desmond, who has covered this story of faith in the face of persecution, joins us here on Register Radio, along with Register columnist Andrea Pichotti Bayer, who covers religious liberties worldwide for the Register. I'm Jeanette Mello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register. I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Bunsen in Washington, D.C., who's EWTN News' Executive Director. Hi, Matthew. Hello. Good to be with you. You too. Um, it's there in D.C. that these uh, priests, along with um, over 200 other Nicaraguan deportees, um, were received, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction. Uh, most of them were political prisoners who were allowed to leave the country February 9th. The mass I mentioned was on uh, February 10th, this is the day, a day later. And of course, this happened after negotiations between the Biden administration and Nicaragua's authoritarian regime, which is headed by uh, Daniel Ortega and his wife, uh, Rosario Murillo. So we're joined today by uh, two religious liberty experts, and they're no strangers, really, to um, to our airwaves. Uh, Joan Desmond and Andrea Pachati Bayer had a podcast called Religious Freedom Matters, and uh, Joan is the Register's senior editor and has followed this news in Nicaragua for some time for the Register. And Andrea, of course, runs the Conscience Project and is a fellow at the Institute for Human Ecology at the Catholic University of America. So, Joan, we'll start with you first, and thank you both for being with us. Thank you, Jeanette. It's a pleasure to be with you and Matthew and, of course, my buddy, Andrea. (laughs) So, Joan, you wrote a story about these priests, these eight priests, and this mass that they had, which must have been an incredible occasion um, for them after six months of not having the sacraments. And this mass was held, as I understand it, at a, at a, a chapel at the United States Bishops' Conference, the building there in Washington, D.C. How did this come, ab- come about? Well, I, you know, I, it's just the whole thing is so touching, Jeanette. So let's just think for a minute. The day before these priests celebrated Mass, they were in prison along with the other political prisoners. Um, they had all, the, the, most of the group had been from Matagalpa, where Bishop Alvarez has been locked in a confrontation with the government. He's an outspoken um, opponent of the government's violations of human rights and has spoken out on that. And ultimately, he was arrested. They are part of his cohort, um, senior people in the diocese, as well as regular priests and some lay people, and they're in their prison cells, and all of a sudden, they're told to come and go. And in the clothes they have on, they are taken to the airport in Managua, they are sent to a put on a flight that had been negotiated with the State Department in the U.S. and brought to Washington, D.C., just with the clothes they had on, no right. other possessions. And don't forget, in their cells, no reading materials, of course, no cell phones, no religious articles, nothing were there. But what did they want to do first? They wanted to celebrate Mass, and eight of them had not had a chance to celebrate Mass, let alone attend a Mass, in over six months. It's really a tremendous opportunity, and and I think one of the comments you made to me was just how joyful and appreciative and peaceful they were. 
Yeah, I mean, what's really striking to me about it is, I mean, there's also, of course, the fact that they were celebrating Mass at the private chapel at the U.S. Bishops' Conference shows the solidarity of the U.S. bishops. And these are very tense issues. They have to be really careful not to say something that could provoke retaliation. So it's very sensitive. It was kept pretty low-key. Um, but they are absolutely putting out the, you know, the welcome mat and wanted to give them that opportunity. So it was really great that they were able to be there under the auspices of the U.S. bishops. And apparently, really the most touching part, uh, and there, was, there were a lot of tears at the Mass. I mean, you can imagine how moving it was for them, newly, newly liberated people arriving here. They had their citizenship revoked, not anything they supported, but it was forced on them. And here they are in a foreign country trying to understand what's going on. And the Mass was really at the center of their lives. And the rector of the John Paul University in uh, Matagalpa gave the homily. And he said, for him, the biggest, the biggest learning curve in prison was to be reminded how much we need each other and to communicate and to be together and that we are a church of people in communion with the Lord and with each other and that they had all learned never to take advantage of that and here they were now finally together having previously in some cases spoken between prison bars or called each other across you know the prison the prison area and finally together again with other lay people, a deacon and, and some other lay, lay Catholics who were also in prison. So it was a, a beautiful moment. And then the next day I spoke with a Maryland pastor who himself is a Nicaraguan-born um, priest, and he hosted them the next day. And he said it was really moving for him and a reminder that I think we all need um, about what's really essential. And he said, sometimes we can be petty about so many things and we miss the essentials. And he said, they have really embraced the essentials, which is deepening their relationship with Christ and developing that sense of communion, a united front with, with, with the group, but also the larger church. Yeah, Joan, um, one of the questions that a lot of people are asking now is, what's next for these priests? Um, I have heard from a contact at the USCCB, and they can't provide a lot of details yet. Right. But um, down in Miami, Florida, where you know there are many immigrants coming there at various points, Haitians, uh, Salvadorans, um, of course, Puerto Ricans have been there. The archdiocese is used to people in crisis, and Archbishop Wensky has has invited them to come to Miami. Bishop Rolando Baez, who himself is an exiled um, bishop from Nicaragua, is um, has been ministering to people. Don't forget. Um, Matthew, in this past year alone, 100,000 Nicaraguans have have um, fled um, the repressive tactics and, and the failed economic policies. Previously, they were not part of a, a large group um, of, of migrants, but now with the political situation worsening, they have had to take, um, they have had to leave their country. So the Nicaraguan priests will be in Florida, most likely in Miami or in um, Charleston, Florida. And that's, um, I glanced at a list that I just got, and that's what it looks like. But they're not going to provide 
too many details right now. Some are highly educated. Um, I don't know how many English speakers there are. Some will be getting some intensive English uh, classes. And, and the priest in Maryland who was filling me in was just saying, you know, there's there's a lot of change that's happened very quickly, and they're all going to have to take a breath um, and come back. Some of them, you know, their family is still back home, and it's 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 a tough transition, but they're also really grateful. They're alive. Um, they've survived six months in prison. There's The prison there is known for torture and other things, which I did not hear happen to them, but, you know, I'm sure the future looked very dark as they were there, not knowing what would happen next. Exactly. Grateful for them to to be on U.S. soil now. Andrea, let's turn to you. Welcome back to Register Radio and and help us to understand uh, the larger situation. So how has this situation evolved in Nicaragua? Thanks again for having me, Jeanette. It's always great to join you guys. Um, I think there are two important ways to look at this. Um, one is looking at the history of Nicaragua at its, itself and Ortega, Daniel Ortega's rule. Um, people may remember back in 1979, um, Ortega led the Sandinistas to um, un- kind of replace the unsavory right-wing dictatorship of Anastasio Somoza. And um, and for many people, that was... Um, that was welcome. What they didn't realize is that these promises of this, you know, Marxist former communist guerrilla were false. Um, plans to create kind of a, a socialist paradise um, were at the the expense of the indigenous people, the people who were tending land. Um, and then, since that time. Of course, the United States has had a very interesting relationship back and forth with the Sandinistas and the Contras. Um, And Ortega has also had his own coming and going in political power. Most recently, though, he has claimed to be a reformed man, a man who has come back to his faith and trying to convince the Catholic Church that he wanted to to basically have their endorsement. and at the same time, the Catholic leaders, unlike those in the past that were promoting liberation theology, really do see the value of freedom for people and were promoting democracy as, as a way for freedom, for allowing people to um, be able to live in peace. And, and most recently have become a threat for the Ortega government. And the Ortega government, Daniel Ortega, has placed a target on the Catholic Church, its Catholic leaders, priests, seminarians, anyone that is speaking. He's shut down Catholic radio stations. Um, And as we mentioned before, he's incarcerated countless priests, exiled bishops. And most recently, just after sending those 222 freed prisoners on a plane to the United States, the very next day, they sentenced uh, Bishop Rolando Alvarez, for 26 years in prison. That's right, and that's what I've heard. I have heard through various um, articles that I've read that uh, Bishop Alvarez uh, refused to to be one of those um, people who left the country. Have you guys heard the same thing? There is some. um, It's hard to know. The official statements from the Ortega government Mm -hmm. is that the bishop was actually on the tarmac and, and 
at the last minute changed his mind. He was going to jump on there. But people close to the bishop said that's not true. He was tried on the 10th of February, sentenced the day after the the flight of political um, dissidents took off, and that he's been put in one of the worst, the country's mm. worst prisons, um, and is likely not to face um, good conditions or care. He was under house arrest for over six months, and he's also been stripped of his abilities to work, which means that if he ever was released early if uh, from his 26-year right. prison, would, would he be able to actually function as a priest, or would that be stripped of him as well? Right. Joan, can you speak a minute to what the international response has been and, and how this came to be, how the, the refugees were, were able to be welcomed to the U.S.? Well, we don't know everything about it. Some of it is speculation. A lot of uh, people I've spoken with think the Ortega government was the one who took the initiative on this. And they have accused these political prisoners, including uh, those who are religious, um, of being so-called terrorists who have attacked, you know, the security of the state. It's, you know, a typical kind of bo ideological boilerplate that nobody really believes in. But there is a plus side for them to send people to the states. And I've heard this from several people, and that is that they get removed remittances back from there. So they could potentially, or at least they may hope they have some advantage here that um, they are, um, they could get money from the families who will now be in the United States and can better help their relatives back in uh, Nicaragua. That's just speculation, but it has been the case in other countries like Cuba that has that have depended heavily on these remittances. Um, the situation with Nicaragua has escalated over a period of time, and I think the the European Union, um, the OAS, the uh, uh, the United States has. Have, have all condemned what has gone on there. It is going back to about 2018 when there was a confrontation with the Ortega regime um, over Daniel Ortega's desire to retain power. And then in 2021, he arrested um, the political prisoners, including those who were contending for president in the next election. So this is an escalation. I think a key thing Jeanette will be watching now for the National Catholic Register is how this might affect um, Pope Francis's engagement with Nicaragua. They have been, the Vatican has been very quiet, believing that this might, any kind of outspoken statements might provoke more retaliation. But a lot of Nicaraguans who are suffering want to see uh, the Vatican say something. The, vote, the Pope did make a statement this the last couple of days saying he had petitioned Our Lady um, on behalf of Bishop Alvarez uh, for his safety and has has expressed concern. Um, and the U.S. State Department, of course, condemned um, Bishop Alvarez's sentencing as well. Well, we're going to take a short break. We've been talking with Joan Frawley Desmond and Andrea Pachati Bayer about the situation in Nicaragua and the refugees have been who have been welcomed into the United States. This is Register Radio on EWTN. Stay tuned for more when we return. 
For nearly a century, the National Catholic Register has been moving minds, moving hearts, moving souls, and enriching our readers' lives by spreading the truth of the gospel. Today, that tradition continues with award-winning journalism that goes beyond any secular news service while bringing much-needed light and clarity to the issues and events that affect you and your family's future, all with faithful and courageous reporting guided by the teachings of the Catholic Church. It's more important than ever to join Catholics who depend on the Register. Get six free issues today online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. Welcome back. I'm Jeanette Mello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register. I'm joined by my co-host Matthew Bunsen here on Register Radio. We've been talking to Joan Desmond and Andrea Pachati Bayer about Nicaragua. And Andrea, before we turn to another subject, I, I really did want to talk to you about the fact that this asylum... Um, those who've been expelled and us being able to receive them gratefully, to spare them prison, isn't really a victory. What is your perspective on that? You know, on the one hand, it is a victory that anyone that is freed from unjust imprisonment is um, able to be released and to enjoy the freedom. Um, many people have spoken about they were in darkness and hours later they were in the light. Um, and so we need to celebrate that. But on on the other hand, there is this issue of... of um, there's no freedom for the exiled. You know, anyone that's living, lived out of their country for any period of time yearns to go back home. And especially if if you're a priest or um, a member of, of any religious order, you have your people and your family, your biological or your spiritual family they care for. And so um, we do want them to be able to return back to home, um, back to Nicaragua. The other thing that I would say is um, both... Uh, recent political prisoners have been making public appearances, um, people that were presidential candidates, and they've they've urged us not to see this as an isolated issue solo, only affecting um, Nicaragua, that it is part of a greater trend that we see, whether it's Venezuela, Cuba, Russia, China, that there is a push by some of these authoritarian governments to silence dissent, and oftentimes religious believers are in the crosshairs. Yeah, that's very. That's a very good reminder because it's it. You can see it happening in in many other places uh, in South America. So it's it's a very valid point. I'm going to turn to Joan again for a minute. Andrea, we'll talk a little bit about some other religious liberty issues um, towards the end of this segment. But Joan. I'm thinking of another story you wrote recently about another community who suffered greatly, uh, and that is the Half Moon Bay community. Uh, there was this terrible, uh, again, sh mass shooting in California. It left seven dead, and you covered uh, how the local Catholic community uh, accompanied those who were grieving, and, and it's another story of human suffering and a response. How has the community and the affected families responded? 
Well, first, let's um, let me just bring our audience up to speed. So, you know, so many headlines of mass shootings. We just saw, we just read another read another one today, yesterday, or today. Um, and so, it's just each time when it happens to that community, people are like, "How could this ever happen here? This isn't who we are." And at Half Moon Bay, just to give you a sense, it's not far from where I live. About half an hour. It's in California. It's on the Pacific Coast. It it's known for its surfing beaches. Uh, it's a pumpkin festival. You know, just simple, nice, healthy things. And Half Moon Bay was in the news in January because there was a mass shooting there. The shooting involved um, mostly people from Mexico, um, but also um, ethnic Chinese farm workers who were working in the nurseries there along the coast, doing er which involves herbs and flowers and mushrooms and that kind of thing. And one day, you know, their piece is destroyed when a co-worker who was disgruntled uh, went and shot specifically targeted people he was angry with and, mm -hmm. and felt, you know, he was justified in targeting. Um, so the community has, was just in a, a terrible state. So one thing I learned was that the Archdiocese of San Francisco has a restorative justice ministry, and there are two parts of it. One part is to support people out of prison who need uh, accompaniment as they, um, you know, get a new job, find housing. But the other part is to accompany victims of violence. Um, and sadly, in this area, in the Bay Area, there's more and more violence going on. And as soon as they hear a shooting has occurred um, involving a fatality, uh, the director of the Restorative Justice Project, uh, Julio Escobar, contacts a priest who's nearby, and they go and they pray on the site. That's exactly what they did when this happened in Half Moon Bay, but this time Archbishop Cordleone, who is sometimes available for these calls, uh, went immediately there within a few days, I'm guessing as soon as the police allowed it, and he went, uh, met with the, the farm workers, and this is, of course, an interfaith service. It's open to anyone along with their families. So imagine the scene, Jeanette, um, Matthew, that we have people working working in these nurseries, and one person witnesses the kill, you know, the death, the murder right. of somebody else right in their workplace. So a friend of theirs, a place they have to go back to to work within days of that. This this is their livelihood. The archbishop went there. They had an interface service in both of the two farms where the shootings occurred. He reconsecrated the place as a place of life, not a place of death. He met with people. He gave them and his other assistants gave them a chance to express what they felt, to to speak of the dead, to speak of their feelings, to speak of their, their prayers for them. Um, and they purposely make this a, 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 a non-denominational service so everybody is allowed to participate who would like to. And I think what was really touching for me, Jeanette, is just we're in a time and place in the United States where there are fewer people who are involved in organized religion. And so then they not only did the special prayer services at the two farms, the Archdiocese also helped then organize a vigil and another uh, community gathering uh, in town and then helped the parish organize two funerals. So when they organize the funeral, they also will pro provide help with the rosary and with the cemetery if needed. 
You know, Joan, what really comes to my mind in in this situation uh, where the church has responded to meet people where they are in the need, in this, in their suffering, and has really become, in a way, first responders of the heart, right, of the spirit. Mm-hmm. That's really what these these people have done in Nicaragua as well, the priests and the people of the church who are really standing up against the, the human rights um, violations. And, and so we have here a, a beautiful example of faith in action. Uh, I think that's very profound connection between these two stories is just faith in action, responding to people where they are. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and I found it personally very, very inspiring, Jeanette, to meet with people. One of the farm workers who lost his brother, what did he think of first, not vengeance? He said to me when he heard the news, he thought of Christ on the cross, and he thought of Christ saying, you know, forgive them, Father. And it's personally so so powerful to have that kind of testimony. And also in the case of the Nicaraguan priests who have been yanked out of their country, imprisoned for you know crimes they didn't commit. And they also had a sense of peace and joy as they gathered for their first Mass in six months. Andrea, I'm going to bring you on for the kind of closing word. It's not an easy transition to start talking about U.S.-based religious liberty, but, but you know, it's all about the same faith and being able to practice our faith in action. There are a couple of Supreme Court cases we should be watching. What are they? Well, there are two that are going to be reviewed by the, or are being reviewed by the Supreme Court this term that touch on religious freedom and religious expression. One, of course, is the case of Lori Smith, who's a Colorado website designer, and she wants to open up services for wedding websites. Um, And she's been told she has to provide services for same-sex weddings, despite her Christian beliefs in traditional marriage. And that's going to be looking at that intersection between faith and our work life, our expression, and whether or not the First Amendment's protection for free expression give a safe harbor for someone to be able to work and express themselves consistent with their beliefs as well, or if the government can force Laurie Smith to create websites. The second deals with a mailman who doesn't want to work Mm. on Sundays, and his local post office um, has entered into an agreement with Amazon that delivers all the time. Surprisingly, things show up on my doorstep all the time. It's true. Um, And... And, and the court is going to look at whether Title VII, which is the federal anti-discrimination law, which includes pro- prohibitions against religious discrimination, what are the standards that employers need to meet um, in order to accommodate a person? And although these two situations seem to be worlds away from the situations in Nicaragua and Half Moon Bay, they really show the importance of faith in our lives and that our life and our faith is a lived faith. And we bring it in times of contradiction, in times of persecution, and in the ordinary days, too. Absolutely. Andrea and Joan, thank you so much for this very important work of covering religious liberty around the world and and bringing the faces of those people affected uh, before us. I appreciate your work. And of course, all of this news and more can be found at ncregister.com. I invite you to go there, search in the search bar, Religious Liberty, and you'll get these stories. Thank you for joining us on Register Radio here on EWTN. 
for Matthew Bunton and my producer, Jeff Burson. I am Jeanette DeMello, and until next week, I pray that God bless you.